is that everybody wants unbelievable results, but they want to take the shortcut. They want to take the same yep. playbook, right? They want, they, they want to do that. And so to me, if I go look, if I go look at our best sales reps at drift, they actually consume the least amount of leads. Yeah. Because why they're instead of reaching out to Doug twice, they're going 15 times and they're having real conversations with you and they're real personalized emails, not personalized with the email token personalized. Like I follow you on Twitter and I read the article that you shared yesterday and I didn't agree with it. Here's my point. Hello everyone. This is Ellen, the producer of the black line between sales and marketing with Doug Davidoff, CEO of Imagine Business Development and Mike Donnelly, CEO of Seven Cents. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Black Line Podcast. I got to tell you, Mike, I have been excited for today for quite a while. We've got, uh, we've got a great guest and I got to tell you, Dave, you, you occupy, I think, a unique space, at least for me, because I think you, the stuff that you come out with, the stuff that your company come out with, there are a few companies, few people out there where I agree with more of what's being said than, than what you say. And I disagree with more of what's being said. So like, <laughs> I was going to say, what's the punchline here? This is, too, this is, this is going too well. <laughs> you, so, so, so you occupy the Howard Cosell of okay. my brain. Okay. And for, and for those of you that don't know yeah. who Howard Cosell is, he was a sportscaster who regularly <laughs> was ranked number one as the most loved sportscaster and the most hated sportscaster. So, uh -huh. uh -huh. The good news was he, was he was uh -huh. relevant to everybody. I would have it no other way. There you go. So, so Dave, why don't you tell everybody who you are for the, like I said, the two people who don't know who you are. Yeah. And then we'll get going. Sure. There's definitely, it's, it's way more than two people that don't know me as my boss, David Cancel, always reminds me that until everybody in the world knows Drift and I haven't done a good enough job. Um, so my name is Dave Gerhardt. I'm VP of Marketing at Drift. Uh, we are uh, a company that is out there to try to make it easy for businesses to buy from businesses. The way we do that is called conversational marketing. Um, I've been in the SaaS marketing space for seven, eight years now and, and have been learning a lot from a bunch of really interesting companies and now lucky to be able to apply that all to what we're doing at Drift. And uh, Doug is, is one of my biggest fans and harshest critics, which is why I always like talking to him as I always, we agree and then I learn something from it. So the second that he reached out and said, will you come on the podcast? I said, hell yes, I'm happy to do it. Awesome. Awesome. So let's start off um, at, at, at the biggie. What, what is conversational marketing? No, that's From the good... man who invented it? <laughs> he's, he's not here right now. He's the, okay. he's the, he's the other ball guy. Um, it's hard to so, tell you guys apart. Uh, yeah, we, we have some differences. We have some differences. So, so, so conversational marketing is it's all about having conversations with the people who are interested in your business as opposed to having them fill out a form or do something that comes to a complete stop. And so like we just have this fundamental belief that a sale doesn't ever get made unless a conversation happens. And it's really important today in today's world because, you know, you might not, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, you might not have heard of Drift or know anything about it, but within probably 30 minutes, you could find out everything you needed to know before ever talking to anybody at our company. And that's a really big shift for marketers who are used to being able to control the whole sales process. And so with conversational marketing, you're basically opening up your funnel to have conversations with the people that are interested in your business, as opposed to getting them to do something like fill out a form and then follow up later it's all about matching how people want to buy and communicate which is real time on demand while somebody's live in your store which is your website what is not conversational marketing 
and you don't get to say forms. No, it's it's actually not it's actually not forms. Like I, I I don't actually think forms are the are the issue. It's more of it's more of like just the the piece of it is broken to me is like marketing just became over the last probably five seven years it became all about one way. I'm emailing you, come to my webinar. I'm emailing you, come to my event. I'm you know showing you ads, do this thing. We're like great marketing should be about having conversations and my job as a marketer is to get people interested in my business and then be able to talk to them. And so, you know, we actually see conversational marketing. It's not just chat, but conversational marketing is uh, getting everybody, all of the CTAs in your email, getting you to reply. So for example, if you subscribe to our blog, the welcome email you get back, it doesn't say, uh, click here to read our latest post. It says, hey, reply back to he- reply right here and let me know how you found out about us or reply back here and let me know what you're interested in learning. And so, to me, it's all about having a two-way conversation and it could be with a bot who helps you get an answer faster or it could be with a human. Um, I think over time, I think you'll, we'll, we'll see that almost everything is going to become conversational and that just means because the customer has all the power today, you have to be able to have a conversation with them. You can't just stuff information down their throat like you used to be able to do and hope that they would buy from you. Well, you can. I know many people who, who are doing that. And <laughs> I, I had a, 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 an advisor who once said, hope is not a strategy. And I disagree with him. I said, in fact, hope is a strategy. It's just not a very good one. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Nobody said you can't. Nobody said you can't do it that way. That's right. That's right. So, um, well, let me, I mean, does it, does the funnel not exist anymore? The, the, the idea top of funnel, bottom of funnel, you know, all that, all that conversation is that, is that so, that's a good question. Um, I think there's, there's two different thoughts that I, I've had on this. Like, so number one is like, I think the funnel still exists from a traditional funnel, which is awareness, interest, desire, action, like from a, from a straight up, like what the purpose of a funnel is, is to get somebody who doesn't know you to get them to do what you want them to do. Awareness, interest, desire, action, right? Like you still can't just go sell to everybody. You need to first get them aware of you, get them interested in your problem, get them to have a desire to actually buy what you're trying to sell them. Right. And then get them to take action. That to me will always exist. That's, that's dating. That is every, you know, selling products online. That's everything. But what I think is, is um, becoming less important is the like sequential steps of a funnel because things can happen in so many different ways. Now it doesn't just happen like see an ad, visit website, uh, talk to sales, buy, right? Like these things are happening in all different directions today. And people are, people, people now show up in your store at all different uh, places in the buying cycle, right? Like I may have found everything that I need to know by talking to three other marketers that I know and I'm on your website. I'll give you one example. Um, I had to buy something two months ago for Drift as a marketer. It was $57,000, which is pretty damn expensive, right? Uh, but this is not, a very- Not with the money you guys have raised. That's like, uh, that's like a 10 cent. That's like going to the dollar store at Drift. <clears throat> I, I got it. We, we pinch the pennies around here. Let me, we, we have nice, but you know, we're, 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 we are, we're using it wisely. Um, but yeah, oh my God, that's a lot of money for anybody. Uh, I was like, can I just take this and go somewhere? Um, <laughs> No. So, so this, the thing that I had to buy was, is a very well-known service and there was basically nothing I could do about it. I have to buy it. Uh, I'd known about it, talked to a bunch of other marketing leaders about, about it just to make me feel okay. And then I still had to go through their process, which was to get qualified from a BDR. And I, and on the BDR call, I was like, look, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but like, um, nothing that I tell you about my, my, my budget, my authority, my needs or my timing or, or pain is going to, 
I, I'm ready to buy now. Here's, I already know this. I need it. He's like, well, I got to qualify you. So I had a 20 minute call with him. Then he passed me off to the AE who then read me all the notes back. And I'm like, look, Hey, Hey Rick, I'm going to make you the easiest 60 grand you've ever made. Like, can you just send me the contract? I'm going to sign it. Well, no, 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 no. And by the way, it's a two year annual thing. So there's no risk of me churning, right? I'm, I'm in. Uh, and to me, that was just like everything that's broken about the funnel today, which is, it's a, that is a company problem. That's not my problem as a buyer. There's a company problem versus a, cus, a customer problem. The company problem is they have to make sure I'm qualified. They have to make sure I have a good experience. They have to make sure they're ready to handle me as a customer. They're not ready for me to be able to show up at their door and ready to buy now. They were not equipped to be able to do real-time selling or to take my money in real time. And so it's all the, the bigger shift here. There's a bigger theme, which is like the shift from supply, the shift from supply to demand. Customers have all the power today. Customer, Mike, you're not going to get a word in edgewise, my friend. You better, no. you better jump in. No, no. I do this for a living. I, I will never, uh, this is, uh, all these, these are like 15 blog posts we've already written. So it's not like I, I just know this. This is like what I, I live in every day. But the bigger thing to me that is the most important thing, if you forget about conversational marketing, forget about everything we've already talked about, the one thing you have to understand as a marketer today is that you don't have the control anymore. You don't control the buying process. You don't control the funnel anymore. And so you have to build a marketing and sales strategy that matches that, which can be very uncomfortable at first. But when you do, you're, everything's going to change. So, so I, you know, I am all in on that. I agree a thousand percent when there's no such thing as a thousand percent. The, you, you talk about it as a shift, though, which yeah. infers that this is new. I, I know where everyone said, yeah, you've been in the game for a little while. And so you're going to say to me, well, helping this is like I said to somebody the other day, helping is the new selling. He's like, no, helping has always been the, the selling. I'm like, that's, I'm talking about the majority of companies, the way that they do marketing right now is not like this. So it is new. It, it's not new when we're sitting here 10 years from now and everybody's doing it this way. So do you think 10 years from now, everyone's going to be doing it this way? Cause I don't. I, don't I agree with you. I, I, I don't, I don't think in 10 years, I mean, it it, it it will be that way. There's, there's just too much. I mean, obviously, you know, organizations that are super successful remove friction from the sales process. I mean, that's what you just said, Dave, which was frustrating to you was, Hey, I got to talk to a BDR. I got to talk to an AE. I'm sitting here saying, look, dude, I'm ready to buy. Just send me the freaking contract. And, <laughs> right, right. you know, and, and, and the fact that they even, you even had to go through that process is, is just a complete breakdown. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I honestly think, I don't know what, when you guys say that won't be there in 10 years, what do you? What no, do you, you said when everyone is doing this in 10 years, then it won't be new. Mm. I said, do you think everyone will be doing it in 10 no, years? I don't. No, I think like, especially in the world that we're all in, which is B2B, I think like there's going to be some, in 10 years, I think it's going to operate like there is a one click, uh, it's a one click buying experience, just like Amazon for all the products that you need. So, so there's a huge gap that, that, that comes from that. There's, a whole bunch of places that I, that I want to go with that. And, and again, because I agree with you and I disagree with you 100%. It's, I get schizophrenic with you, Dave. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. But the, so, so point one, you got exposed to bad process. And, and, and I don't mean to toot my horn. And I get it. I'm inside baseball. What, what, what's new to me, what's old to me is, I mean, I, 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 I get the point there, but, but five years ago, I was talking to companies about sales development processes and saying, look, you, can't, you have to have different protocols. We could get into the whole reason why process is bad. And bad process is bad process, no matter how it's applied. I think you'd agree. 
you can have bad process for conversational marketing as much as you could have. I guess you probably can't because the idea of conversational would change that. So I'm no, you can, you can, you okay. can set, you can have, you're going to you can set up a bot to ask bad questions or create it to, or set a bad customer experience or, or turn on conversational marketing and then never be there to actually respond. Right. Like, so, so the one click experience and Mike, you said something that I disagree with as well. You said the best get Good. rid of friction. See Mike, it's not just me. No, yeah. everybody no, gets it. For, for the record, I disagree with about half of what I say myself. So <laughs> it gets pretty ugly. I mean, you should see when I had the podcast with just me. It's not. Oh. There's <laughs> actually two hosts of that show. Exactly. exactly. Uh, Sybil has nothing on me. <laughs> so different people call them different things, but there's two fundamental value segments. There's a fundamental value buyer. There's a total value buyer. That's what I've always called it. A fundamental value buyer has expertise, right? They are, they are in many ways shopping for a commodity because they know what they know. They know what they need to know. They understand. They can tell the difference very clear. Um, and, and, and so it really is, do you, I, know, I know what my needs are. I understand the world, how things work. Do you, do you fit my specs, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The total value buyer is... I don't understand. And so all, you know, conversational marketing, there is, there is a much larger market right now that needs the friction mm. of that. They don't understand what conversational marketing is or they misunderstand it. And, and, you know, and we saw this with inbound marketing, right? People jumped on and said, Oh, inbound marketing. I can. And they started, Hey, yeah, I'll, um, yeah, blog. So I'll do this. And they did a lot of bad stuff. I guarantee you that the company that you had that experience with, jumped on a bandwagon of sales development, read about all the, read about all the efficiencies, et cetera, and then didn't do the hard work. And, and, and had they had somebody that put a little bit more friction before they jumped in and, and, and bought the idea, whether they physically bought from an outside provider or not, they would have been able to apply that much better. And so when we talk about the one clickification of, of the buying process, there's certainly that trend there and there's certainly that power but, but we forget that misinformation, disinformation is, is as dangerous or more dangerous than the lack of information or lack of knowledge. And, and, and just as marketers try to over control the process because they mistakenly thought they could, the idea that we just seed it as well is, is equally dangerous. And I don't think you're suggesting that we do that. No. So... So how do you serve that customer that doesn't know? Because I'll, I'll give you a different scenario. I was on a website. Um, I was very early. Mm. I was not sure what I wanted. I was looking for some, I, I, I was looking for, for some premium content to, to use an inbound marketing term. There was chat there. I did not want to chat. I did not want to, I, I did not want to get into conversation. I wanted to do some anonymous research and I was willing to go ahead and give an email address because it would be easy enough to, if I wasn't ready to talk, it'd be easy enough um, to avoid those things. And I, and I didn't want to get into that back and forth. So how does conversational marketing match that? And I'm not saying it doesn't, I just want to hear your take on it. It's a, so I think like it, it's just different, right? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I think you're, what you're describing is like the universe of sales and marketing. I'm talking about this one new thing that's starting to pop up and grow more. I think in, in, your, in your example of conversational marketing, 
the way that that could work is you go and read that, you go and find that guide and halfway through that, I'm having a bot pop out and ask, hey, this is like some pretty meaty stuff that you're reading. Like, do you want to see a video about how this would actually work? And so it doesn't always have to be a conversation with a person. And so I can help get you further in the funnel and use the bot as, an, as a virtual assistant, basically, to help you while you're there on the website, navigate and get what you need. Um, it doesn't have to be, and, and look, the other thing is like, conversational marketing doesn't capture 100% of the people that come into your website. But what it does is, on average, you know, a, a good B2B website's converting 2%. 4%, whatever, even 10%, you're still missing 90% of the people that come to your site. We can help give a wider net. And so maybe it's 10% to 20% or 15% to 30%, right? It's some bigger portion of people that you're, that you're able to talk to by doing the equivalent of walking into somebody's store and saying, Hey, let me know if you have, let me know if you need any help. I noticed that you're in the, that you're browsing for a new pair of Nikes over there in, the, in that aisle. Let me know. Uh, by the way, if you buy one today, you can get a t-shirt with it. Like, I think it's just that type of experience that, that conversational marketing can deliver to your, to your website. Um, your question, man, is really tough because you, I don't know. I don't know how to be everything to everybody. Uh, but I think it's a better way to give, you know, interested buyers the help that they need to help them down the path. I think you still need to do the good fundamentals of marketing, which if you go back to the funnel, um, you know, awareness and interest, right? You still need to create great content. You still need to be out there uh, letting people know, you know, that you can help solve a problem. That's not about your brand. It's, it's, it's a, that's not about your product. It's building a brand to become a magnet to get people into your store in the first place. It is conversational marketing in essence, the, marketing taking and I, I want to word it the right way because I don't I don't mean this at all negatively I I, I actually I it, you know it's funny you talked about what marketers have to understand I, I think what sales what the sales side needs to understand and, and you know Dave I'm a sales guy right and that's that's where I come from it, you know I think sales is missing the boat because they don't understand the crucial role that marketing plays in selling you know, we mm -hmm. used to say marketing created awareness, marketing set the playing field and, um, and sales advanced the ball. Well, it's, it's no longer, there, there's not that separation. Is, is this marketing just taking that much more of an active role in the sales process of picking up that sales? Yeah, I think, I think, I think it is. I think it's like, I think it's creating a faster path to revenue, right? Ultimately, you still need to talk to, you still should talk to a sales rep. Uh, you can buy self-service. I'm just thinking about our business, right? For example, like I, we, we probably don't want everybody to buy self-service today. We have a sales team. Maybe you talk to them, but oh, it's only for 15 minutes at the very end of the, of, of the buying process. And so like conversational marketing is the thing that's going to facilitate more conversations. And ultimately, ultimately the goal is to have a world where like marketers can do what they're good at, which is getting people to your website and salespeople can do what they're good at, which is actually closing deals and getting on the phone. Everything else in between can be taken care of. I don't, I don't mean to play gotcha. Whose job is it to, to help the customer understand what their needs are and how to best solve their problems? Because we seem to be missing that more and more when we talk about the sales process. Um, I don't know. I don't think there's a perfect answer. I think it's both. I think it's both people's job. I think that, you know, one of the ways that we're thinking about it at Drift is um, how can we build a marketing team We've been thinking a lot about like when we hire new people or, or come up with new roles, we, we ask the question like, what question does this role answer? And I think 
most of the roles that we're hiring for in marketing, the question we want to answer is like, how can we help give people all the information they need to buy drift without having to talk to anybody on our team? Like, so I think it, a marketing is a, that, that is the, a big job of marketing is to make somebody feel really good that we can solve their problem. And then maybe sales takes that last 10% or maybe they don't need to get involved at all. Or maybe they do need to get involved depending on how skeptical somebody is of what we told them or what we showed them or what other questions they might have. Or maybe there's stuff that all of the content we create doesn't answer. Um, so I don't think there's a, there's a perfect answer, but I actually think that's why sales and marketing will continue to morph into be this one thing, which is like the revenue team. I think that's ultimately where this is going. Love it. Love it. Mike, what's your take on, on, on conversational marketing? You're, you're before I ask and go outside of SaaS, and, and, and I know, I mean, I'll give you credit, Dave, because I think you guys have done a great job of, of defining who your market is. Hey, let's worry about their problem and solve, and solve their problem. I'm not worried about somebody else. I give you tremendous credit. And, I, and, I, and, and in all fairness, I've asked you some questions that, that probably pull you a little bit out of, of, of that specific market. Um, but, but, but also, everybody, that's part of what the, this show is about, is, is to hear Dave talk about, yeah, we've got a sales team that, that, you know, that's picking up this. It's, and, and, oh, by the way, for the really difficult, I'm surprised you didn't mention this, for the really difficult stuff, for that crap that, that Doug just talked about of, of, you know, they're not ready to do this, you guys are building out a partner team that, 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 that has that service overlay where, and as a, you know, full disclosure, I'm a drift partner. Yeah. And, and you know, and my job is to help people understand, you know, to, to kind of be that beachhead for you and provide that interpretation and you know and that's genius that that is a win 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 but but mike as a as a SaaS company um in in that grow startup phase dealing with a lot of people who have expertise um and being the cynic that i know you are and you know you get here and we get guests and you're all nice and everything else but you know when when we're off and you're talking to just me you let me have it <laughs> what's, your, what, what's your take on conversational where how's this fit with what you're doing so um in, in, from my point of view what I, where i see it is it's another option another vehicle for people to communicate with us um whether you know we, we certainly have some inbound strategy where we're creating content you know focus on some of the inbound principles we also do outbound um, and we have outbound principles that we, or, or, or strategies that we use. And then I think with conversational marketing, it's just another option for, Hey, somebody is deeper into the funnel or they're ready to have a conversation more immediately. That gives us the, the, the facility to do it. What I fear with some of the conversational marketing stuff, and I've, I've made this comment to people before is in a lot of instances, and I've gone to a lot of websites that have chat now. Because, again, you, you kind of have to. My fear is it becomes like that automated teller when you call Verizon or Comcast or whatever, and it's the worst experience ever, and you're sitting there pressing zero the whole time trying to get to a live human being. Uh-huh. Um, so when somebody just tries to automate that entire conversational experience, it can actually be very – it can actually have an incredibly negative impact. Um, now, we've just started, you know – trying to utilize chat and a bot on our website. You know, we're, we're a little bit behind the times, limited team, limited resources. Um, but, you know, we've seen some, we've seen some good results from it. So Doug, is that what you're looking for? 
I, I went out. I had an internet uh, wave out, so I missed the last two minutes of what yeah. you said. So I'm sure it was genius. He said, you can't live without conversational marketing. Yeah. I, um, I agree with that. We're, I think, conver I, we're conversational I think, creatures. I, I think, look, I think the, 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 do, do I expect you to go change your entire marketing strategy today? I don't. Uh, but I think what it is, is like, it's opening up a fast lane for, for your best people, for your best interested, you know, potential buyers. And so even if that only makes up 10 or 20% of your business, like that's a significant portion. And so uh, that's how we think of it a lot is not, not ripping and replacing anything that you're doing today, but stapling on top of what you're already doing and giving those really qualified people uh, the best, the best, you know, path and the fastest path to your sales team. So I'll give you one example. We just looked at all of our lead sources. And if you look at everything from events to webinars, to social, to paid, all the way through, um, the leads that come in via drift, so via chat, convert five to six times faster or higher into opportunities than any other source, okay? And that to me is the number one reason, that's the way that I go out and, and sell drift is like, it's the path for those people who are the highest intent buyers, right? If somebody's really high intent, you can risk losing them if you send them through the traditional process because think about any one of us, right? Like I do this all the time. I'm very interested in something and then I don't hear back immediately or I get distracted and I'm gone and it's really hard. And I'm, I'm dealing, I'm working with a dealing with, I'm you, you know, working with a sales rep right now who I feel bad for this guy because in the moment I really wanted this thing and I filled out a form and I got the demo and everything. And I'm just like, now I'm just busy and it's not a huge priority. And so he's just continuing to follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up. But if they had that channel, I probably would have already bought because I was, I, I, it was the opportunity to buy on the spot. You know, like you, that happens to me all the time. I walk into a store and I kind of impulse buy something and I'm like, I didn't really need that, but I got it anyway. I don't think people impulse buy B2B products, but I think that's a channel that you have to open your business up to based on how people want to buy today. In, in fair I, like the, I like the fast lane comment. That's, that's, I, I, I like that a lot. In, in, in fairness, I gave you the story of I was on a site and, and it had chat and I didn't want to do chat. I've been on a couple of sites where I'm like, no, I have a question right now. I want, mm -hmm. I want, I want, I want an answer to my question right now. I don't want to fill something out. I cannot believe, and I want to even like, I'll tell you a name of a company. I could tell you the name of the company and like they don't have chat on their site. And yeah. Like, Holy cow. Yeah. So well, I, that that's why I don't, I don't think it's like, it's not just this, it's not this blanket strategy. It's like, if you have, you have a good volume of people coming to your website and you have a strong motion already to, to be able to open up that fast lane for people is the most powerful thing that you can do. And I think what you're going to see over time is over time, it's going to morph into a more, everything's going to be more conversational, meaning like, you know, whether it's a human or a bot can, can basically do all the work for you and get you to where you need to go. I just think that that's, that's not going to happen overnight. So for, for the record, I think I know what the answer is, but I just want to make sure, am I correct in your opinion, inbound marketing and conversational marketing are not mutually exclusive. They do not conflict. What was that? Inbound marketing and conversational marketing yeah. are not mutually exclusive. They do not conflict. Correct. Right. Just because there are people out there going, and I've heard people and people that you know that have said inbound marketing is dead. You've got to do conversational now. And, and that's where the, and that's what this show is about is, is not yeah. letting that, that. Yeah. I mean, that's, this is, this is the thing that I, this is the part that I can't stand about marketing is just like every, every new strategy has to be the de facto best practice that you have to do, or you're going to go out of business. And like, if everybody took my advice verbatim or your advice verbatim, it wouldn't be good advice. It well, wouldn't be good advice. 
that's true for most. But if they took my advice for bait, I mean, if oh, I they, they would, they would, they would really be. You should not have said that. They would, they would be really. They would, they would really be screwed. Is the they fact? Would. Is that's the honest, like that's one out of every two ideas would be good. Um, but wow, I didn't know why I was hitting five hundred. That's pretty good. It's because you're because the Jekyll and Hyde thing. You got one and one. Um, no, but to me, inbound is inbound marketing does not mean form marketing. Like that's right. not what that means, right, right. right? It's it's the it's the concept of like creating content that draws people in as opposed to pushing pushing people out. And so, actually, to me, conversational marketing is like the perfect complement to what you're doing with inbound because it means if you are if you are doing inbound marketing, that's a great fit for conversational marketing because it means you probably have a strong website, you probably have good traffic, right? You probably have engaged and interested people come to your site, not terrible cold traffic. And so, you know, that's the people that we, that we, that we want. That's the people that I want in the fast lane. It's the people who have already have a relationship. I think about this at drift all the time. You asked me earlier about is the funnel going away? And I think, I think of our funnel as yes, it is going away because here's how most people find out about drift. We have a freemium business model. Uh, so, so our widget is on thousands of people's hundreds of thousands of people's websites and says we're powered by drift, right? So here, here's how people usually buy from us. First, they listen to our podcast and then they say, oh, I like your podcast. Then they read our blog and then they watch our videos and then they listen to a webinar and then they go to an event and then they subscribe to our email list. And then one day they're browsing the web and Drift pops up on somebody else's site and they're like, oh yeah, I should go check out their product. Like that's, that's a whole loop that to me is, is just says everything about how we're using content to draw people in and then we're getting them in our funnel that way. Can you do me a favor? Yeah. Can you say that again? Because- because people need to hear that. People need to hear and really understand it's not, it's not launch a blog and it's not throw, ch- it's no. I actually, launch a paid, paid ad, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, um, I actually post, I, I gave a talk earlier this week and I just was talking about how like marketing is basically a commodity now. Like you are no longer unique if you have a blog or, you know, 10 years ago it was like your marketing strategy could be have a blog today as, as a, as a business today, Every business has a blog, has a video channel, has social media, has a podcast. Like, you know, how many, nobody need, your customers do not need more content. Nobody goes home and they're like, you know what I wish I had more of? Content from brands, right? No, they need good content that's helpful. And so for us, it's not just one channel. It's about being everywhere where your potential customers are. And so uh, I'll just repeat what you asked me to repeat, which is like, here's how most people buy from Drift or figure out, they start by listening to our podcast, then they read our blog, then they watch our videos. Then they follow us on Instagram or Twitter. Then they connect with us on LinkedIn. And then one day they happen to be browsing the internet and they go to somebody else's website and they see Drift and then they start a conversation with us. That's how, and that, and the, the frustrating part is that's really hard from an attribution perspective in marketing, yep. but it's such a better customer experience for the person who's going to buy from us one day. You know what everyone forgets about the John Wanamaker quote? For those of you that, are, that don't know what I'm talking about, John Wanamaker is famous for saying, I know I'm wasting 50% of my money on advertising. My I just don't know what. just don't know yeah. which 50%. And, yeah. And so, of course, you know, modern marketing said, oh, we can attribute everything. We can, you know, here's metrics, et cetera, et cetera. What everyone I think forgets is that John Wanamaker was one of the richest people in the world. Um, so, <laughs> so, so that 50% was doing all right. And, and, yeah. and I um, – or like, I, I agree. We've gotten lost in metrics. People ask us all the time, how do you, how do you know how well Seeking Wisdom, that's our podcast, how do, you, how do you know that it's contributing to business? I'm like, because they tell us. Like, they literally tell us. Hey, I heard you guys on Seeking Wisdom. It's good enough for me. That does not need to be in some spreadsheet to justify, to justify whether or not we should continue to do our podcast, right? Now, if I'm going to go out and spend $50,000 on an event, 
that's different. I want to see what we got out of that, right? Um, but I don't think everything has to be perfectly measurable and quantifiable. So, so coming out with Dave, that, aren't you? Just, Dave, just yesterday, I was talking to a new prospect, and they told, I was like, so how'd you hear about Seven Cents? And they said, well, I actually heard you on a podcast about six months ago, and I was researching a problem. I saw your guy's name, and I was like, wow, I should just reach out to them. And sure enough, that was how they you know, so how am I going to attribute that? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Right. That's exactly, that, right. happens, that happens all the time. And like, I, you know, I, I totally understand uh, our, and look, I know that our CFO feels differently about that, right? Like they want to know where we should spend more money. But I think, I think just people are just too caught up in that where directionally, you know, it's always going to be the 80, 20 rule. Anyway, directionally, you're going to know which things are working, which things you should do more of. I mean, they're just, there's countless studies of companies who have spent a ton of money on AdWords, killed AdWords, and then had no material impact to their business, right? And that's just, that's just one channel. Um, but to me, those are all channels that compound, right? Content, video, mm-hmm. podcasts, like mm-hmm. those are, but they're all table stakes to me. You gotta, you gotta do, you gotta be able to do all of them. And it's just finding like, what's your unique angle. And that's why I love, I love video and I love podcasts because that it's not scripted. I want people to know us personally. And so when they buy from drift, they feel like that. Hey, yeah, I already know these people. Like, okay, I, I know who they are. And again, any, anybody listening to this and any, even if you're not listening to this podcast, you should follow this advice. Uh, drift is one of the best companies at every touch feels the same. I mean, if I listen to your podcast, if I read your blogs, if I see your videos, I see the social media that you have your, your entire team and fans and how they contributed and every touch feels like I'm talking to drift, which, you know, is, is, um, you know, the attitude to the informality, to the irreverence and all that other stuff. It, it, it really feels that way. And, and it plugs into that lot. Yeah. Here, here's what sucks about being a marketer. What? There's a lot. <laughs> the, the, le- think- the leads are never good enough. All right. <laughs> the Glenn Gary leads are, are, but, um, what sucks about being a marketer is you can follow a recipe to a T and fail. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and what ends up happening is over time, marketing becomes overly process oriented and it becomes checkbox, blog, check, four blogs, check, eight blogs, check, landing page, check, this, check, check. And you can check every box mm-hmm. and fail. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so there's, there's, uh, probably even more so than sales, which has that truth as well. There's a qualitative component to what you're doing. So my question uh, being the, you know, at the front end of, of, of purposefully conversational and, and, and viewing marketing through a conversational lens, which I love. How do people screw it up? How do people screw up conversational marketing? Yes. <laughs> the same way that they screw up most marketing, which is like not really understanding your customer. Um, that, that, that's what it all comes down to is you have to really understand who you're trying to get and what you want to get them to do. I mean, I could talk about tactics about, you know, not having a bot on this page and having it say this or that, but I think it's, it's really understanding like what, what is the flow? What am I trying to get somebody to do here that why, why am I doing this? I mean, the, the famous example is like, you know, when everybody just put QR codes everywhere, despite the fact that nobody had a freaking QR code scanner on any phone ever, right? Nobody ever thought about, are people actually going to do this? Uh, and so I think it's more about the biggest mistakes come down to like, 
people try to, here's, here's, a, here's an actual piece of advice. I see most people, the biggest mistake is they just try to choke the funnel. They, they try to just um, come up with this imaginary dream path of somebody's going to come in, they're going to request a demo, we're going to ask them these four questions, we're going to pass them right off to sales. We're like, that never happens that way. It never comes in this perfect linear funnel. And so the best thing that you can do to start conversational marketing is literally ask somebody a question. Imagine you just had a bot on your site that said, hey, how'd you hear about us? You would learn so much more than you're already learning today. And then from there, you can start to think. So one of the best, one of the most performing, uh, the best performing bots we have is on our pricing page. And it shows up after the third time you visit our pricing page, not the first, not the second, but the third time. And it says, hey, you keep coming back to our pricing page. Is there anything I can help with? Right? There's no magic behind that other than asking the question and understanding the intent. And that comes all, that all comes down to understanding why. I think one of the pieces of content that I have stolen from the most is, is your thing that you wrote, which is like the, the matrix of uh, high intent, low volume. It, it's a great, it, what do what's it called? It's the uh, six strategies to conversational. So the six, yeah. So, and basically what, what the post lays out is like, okay, uh, high traffic page, low intent. Here's what you should do. Low traffic, high intent. Here's what you should do. And so to me, the biggest mistake is not thinking about those journeys and those paths about what you're trying to get somebody to do. If it's the first time somebody's ever visited your blog and you have a bot that says, Hey, do you want a demo? Like that's like going out on a first date and proposing, like doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And so you got to think a little bit more. One of another example is the third time somebody visits our blog, the bot pops out and says, Hey, looks like you come here a lot. Do you want to just subscribe by email so you can get our best posts delivered directly to your inbox? Like it's stuff like that. You mean I shouldn't have my homepage go, would you, um, Hey, thanks for coming. Would you like a demo? Talk to a sales rep or place an order, those shouldn't be the, the three options from the bot? I would do it. We, we actually do do that, but we have it filtered by a certain subset of traffic. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. But place, yeah. I think it just be patient, right? Most marketers are not patient. They want the, they want the, the sale oh, today. God, I love, I, I love the fact that you just said that, Dave. You got to be patient. It's you like, gotta be patient. I, use, I, I use the analogy all the time. It's like, hey, have you ever gone on a diet before? And when the first time you ate that fresh, healthy dinner. Did you wake up in the morning and had you lost 15 pounds? Like, Oh, you, you feel, know. you feel terrible. You're hungry, right. you're cranky, you're tired. Right. It, it, exactly. The, the, the patience component. So thanks for bringing that up. So I want to make sure I get a couple, um, a couple things in here. Uh, I, I want to come back to some of the tactics that you personally have used because I've obviously followed you for a long time, both, LinkedIn, I mean, more specifically LinkedIn, but before we get into that, we've talked a lot about um, chat as a communication channel, but Drift obviously also has an email marketing uh, component that you guys launched a few months ago. I think you actually- Always going to email, Mike, always. I know, well, I, I have to, Doug. I think you guys have done some really, really brilliant stuff there, and the, 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 the biggest component of it is when a- when you acquire a new email address, what the mistake that I see a lot of organizations doing is it goes back to your point of like, do you want to see a demo? Do you want to see a demo? It reminds me of that, that old uh, CA commercial where the cardboard sales guys coming under the door. Great. 500, great. 500. Um, uh -huh. So one of the things that I think you guys have done that's really good is, Hey, if I acquire an email address, next thing you know, they're getting bombarded by marketing. They're getting bombarded by sales. And there's just all this overlap. And eventually I'm like, screw you guys. Like you're just completely overwhelming me with, 
with way too much information. Um, but we've talked a lot about chat. I mean, give me, you've obviously been with Constant Contact, you've been with HubSpot, now you're with Drift. Tell me a little bit about your take on, on where email is going. So uh, I love the, I love, I love email. E- I love email because, um, yeah, I do love email. I said it. Uh, so my take on where email is going, let me, I just give you my take on email first at all. Like the goal of, for me, the goal of my emails is to feel like you're talking to me. And uh, I hate when people do things like bracket webinar, bracket 2 p.m. tomorrow. And, and I'm just saying, I'm not saying that's wrong. This is where people beat me up. I get beat up a lot. Do, please don't take my advice. Do what works for your business. If you are driving 50% of the people from that email to your webinar, then don't listen to me, right? We don't, you don't have to troll me on Twitter. Like that's totally fine. That's not, this advice is not for you. But for me, emails, I want emails to sound like I personally wrote you an email. So tomorrow I'm getting on a plane to go to Charleston, South Carolina for a friend's bachelor party. And there's an email chain going back and forth. And it's not as vulgar as that chain, but I want to email. I want my emails to sound like that is really me, not marketer Dave. I want you to sound like me. And then when you see one of my videos on LinkedIn, you're like, that's the same guy. And then when you see me on Twitter, that's the same guy. And so my emails are all designed to be like a letter from a friend. And I got this from, there's a great book called The Boron Letters by Gary Halbert, who's an amazing copywriter. Uh, and he, he, one of his things that he talked about was everybody as consumers, we all have an A pile and a B pile. And what that means is you come home from work, you go to your mailbox, you take out your mail, and you have a stack of like Home Depot and Bed Bath & Beyond flyers, and you put them to the side, and you take out the one plain white envelope that says, Mike right? And you're like, oh, this is from my aunt who always sends me 25 bucks on my birthday. And you open that one and you put all the others to the side. And so I've always thought about how can I get into the A pile? And so I want my emails to feel, I want them to be plain text. I want them to feel personal. I want them to feel like a letter to a friend. And even when they're automated, the best email that we send is after you subscribe to our blog, it says, hey, I know this is an automated email, but my name is Dave. I work on the marketing team at Drift and I just had a question for you. And I get hundreds of replies to that every single week because people, and they call me automated Dave. Hey, automated Dave, because they know I'm a real person. At one point I wrote this email and I had to automate it. And so I'm always just trying to like be conversational in my email um, and not make it a a one-way channel. I want to get replies. In fact, I've hired two people on our team because they were initially blog subscribers and replied back to me and said they wanted, they wanted to work at Drift, right? And so I'm always trying to have conversations and that's actually where the best conversations happen is those people that are interested in your stuff. So, what, so one of the things that I heard you say is uh, no marketer should ever use no reply at business.com as their, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. It's one of the things that just drives me nuts. It's like, no, you what, should, hey, you're sales? You're invading you should, you my sales at abcco.com because everybody in, or something. You're invading my inbox, but yeah. you're not allowing me to communicate back. Like, exactly, it's the dumbest thing in the world. Hey, I'm just coming in here for a second. You can't reply to me, but uh, I'll see you tomorrow on right. our webinar. <laughs> Gone, right. right? Like, right. And and actually, you know, I uh, we've we've seriously thought about hiring somebody to to just manage email responses full time. Uh, like, so a, a, here yeah. you go. Check out Leadnode. It'll do it for you. Cool. We got to build that at Drift, wink. Yeah. (laughs) So you you, Um, you hit on something. Wait, I want to finish something. So also, um, I also, I I love copywriting. And so I I hop in with the sales team and help them write a lot of emails sometimes. And uh, you want to know the best, the best, uh, the best email that we send is an email that has 
no links in it. It has no ask. It's just a question. It's an ask for permission. And it's an e I would send you an email and I would say, hey, Doug, I noticed you only use forms on your website. Is there any reason for that? And that's all I'd say. Because nobody does that. Because everybody else's email, hey, Doug, I noticed you don't have forms on your website. I can help you get two to, two, uh, two to three X more leads on your website. And by the way, um, I'm free at four o'clock tomorrow. Here's a link to my calendar. We haven't even talked yet. And I'm supposed to get on the phone with you. So I, I'm a big believer in asking oh. for, in, in asking for permission. And I do this, I do this in... Even in like my, a whole other industry is like, you know, people that reach out for backlinks or they want other people to share their stuff. I always ask for permission first. So I'd email Mike and I'd say, hey, Mike, I wrote this article. It's about, you know, Joe Flacco and his purple cleats. Um, I, would love, I would love to share. I would love, I would love it if you shared it. Would it be okay if I sent over a link? Just that one change right there is everything. Then if I had emailed and you said, hey, Mike, I know you love Joe Flacco. I love Joe Flacco too. Here's, a, here's an article I wrote about Joe Flacco. Share it. Just asking for permission just completely changes the balance of power. But if I do that, then I have to pay attention and it might take an extra step, Dave. Imagine that. Isn't that unbelievable? This is, this is my biggest problem, though, is that everybody wants unbelievable results, but they want to take the shortcut. They want to take the same yep. playbook, right? They want, they, they want to do that. And so to me, if I, go look, if I go look at our best sales reps at Drift, they actually consume the least amount of leads. Yeah. Because why? They're, instead of reaching out to Doug twice, they're going 15 times and they're having real conversations with you. And they're real personalized emails, not personalized with the email token. Personalized like I follow you on Twitter and I read the article that you shared yesterday and I didn't agree with it. Here's my point. Wait, that, that means the salesperson has to think. Yes. And, and, and in fairness and defense of salespeople, there are far too many sales managers and sales executives. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. I, this is not this is not a knock on on, yeah. on salespeople. I love them. It's a it happens when you have misaligned incentives, right? And so if your manager, if if you are measured on how many dials you make a day and how many emails you send a day, you're not incentivized to go deep and really try to understand Mike or Doug's pain, right? But if you if at the end of the day, what your measure of doing a good job or not is whether you sent 200 emails, then guess what you're going to do? You're going to send 200 emails. So I'm, I'm going to go further because what I'm going to say is I think the biggest problem in revenue generation is that the companies trying to generate revenue want their customers to respect them, but they don't take the step to respect their customers and their prospects. Yes. I think that's the number one problem in, in sales and marketing. Agree. And actually one of the, um, so I, this is probably unique to us at Drift because we sell to sales and marketing, but one of the most useful things that we do is I, sp uh, I spend a lot of time with our sales reps and cause they're trying to like, they're trying to sell to me at other companies, right? Marketing leaders. And so we just talk about what I'm doing, what I'm working on my day. And I show them, I show them how many emails I get from other sales reps. I show them what my day looks like. I show them what it takes to get budget and the approval process. And like, that's been the best thing of our relationship is showing them the other side. And so they can get a sense of that. We're like, why the hell isn't this guy responding to my email? Well, look at what else he has going on. Or, or this guy just went silent. Yeah, because maybe you're just not the number one priority right now. I do. Uh, there's so many times that I do want to buy, but it's just not number one priority. Even if the contract is sitting on my lap, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas a sales rep is like, he's got a contract. I got to get this over the line. So it all comes back to what the number one thing that you can do as marketers is have amp you know, empathy, right? And understand who this person is and what, what an average day is like for them. You'll, 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 you'll like this. We had a, we had a client um, 
that that was using one of these impersonal emails and you know complaining the email doesn't work we're not getting and, and we said well here's here's the first thing don't use sales at because that might not be the the key indicator when you want to get it and, and we said look you know you're you're the leader of the company you're you're let, let's have it come from you oh no 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 i don't want to have to deal with all the auto replies i'm like seriously you want like like god forbid that many people were interested in your that would be a good problem to have. so many so many people are responding to my sales emails no he I, meant the no in, in defense he meant the like the out of office replies oh, and things like that i don't want to create a filter well or i was like i was like oh really the cost of deleting is so bad i, I want to grow my business 5 million dollars this year but i can't delete emails yeah like you know um so you guys are, I know you guys are coming out with a book from the marketing team. Um, it won't scale. I've, I've always said that um, you show me, you show me a great company. I'm going to show you a company that's dysfunctional in its own unique way. Um, and that, that one of the problems that consultants do, and, and I'm one of them. So, you know, we, we have our playbooks, we have our process. Here's the 13 rules. And we walk into this company and we go, okay, we're going to implement all 13 rules. And, and what happens is we kill the secret sauce because every company breaks a rule in their own way right and and clearly you did with your emails in the beginning and then you know the the everyone makes fun of the alligator email you guys know what i'm talking about the alligator email yeah did, did you get eaten by an alligator the breakup email and of course you know everyone copied it or you know did a file cabinet fall on you is that why you haven't responded to this, this stupid um and and you know someone sent it because they had a sense of humor and it came from them and someone yeah. bragged about the response rate and then all of a sudden everyone copied it and it became useless. My, my question as a company that breaks the rules and as a company that, that really is, is on a ultra fast track of growth, how do you a decide which rule to break? And is that a decision or is it just kind of intuitive, but, but bigger as you're getting bigger and, and you're no longer the person that's sending out all the emails and now it's the next person and then it's the next person. And how do you maintain that? as the business grows. So I don't want to say, how does it scale? Yeah, that's no, not what I mean. That's a great question. It's something that keeps me up uh, or used to keep me up at night um, because it's easy. Uh, if, you know, it was easier when like, so most of this came from David, our CEO, and I was the only marketer at the time. And so, Hey, I'm the guy writing all the landing page copy. I wrote all the blog posts. I did all the podcasts. I wrote all the emails. It's easy. Right. Um, so I answer the second part first, which is to me, number one is, you can't grow until you can document it and train the team on it. And so uh, we create checklists for everything in marketing and say, here's how we send an email. And this is not just like upload list here, do this. It's like subject line should, ha should hit on these four points. Uh, the email copy should be urgent, unique, use useful, and ultra specific. It needs to have a CTA. And so we try to document all that stuff. So when new people come on, we can say, here's how we do it the drift way, right? And so they have a playbook. So it's really about systems. Um, you know, just think about any, any sports team, right? Like I'm up here in Boston uh, as a Patriots fan, like they have the Patriot way. If you, if you join the Patriots, you're going to be dictated. Here's how we do it here. That might be different than, you know, in, in DC or, or in, in Baltimore, like it, it might be different, right? So, so we have to document that that's number one. Number two is recently a couple months ago, uh, I sat down and spent probably a couple days on this. I created what I call the drift marketing principles and it's a manifesto. That's basically why we do what we do. How, how we write, how we talk, how our designs look like. And so the first part when somebody gets hired at Drift, we spend that first week going through that stuff. And it's not meant to be a rule book, but more to be like, hey, here's how we do things. 
And here's why I'm going to beat you up on stuff the first two weeks if you're not doing it that way. Um, you know, and there's a great, I forget what the actual quote was from Colin Powell, but he says something like, you know, I'm going to give you, I'm going to be a micromanager. I'm going to be all over you for the first, you know, however, however long it takes. After that, you're going to be a complete owner and I'm going to be totally hands off. And so we try to use that document as that way, which is like, hey, look, here's how it's going to be. And a great example is somebody on a team now, she owns all of our emails. When she came here, she, she wrote like a very traditional marketer, like, you know, used a lot of jargon. And, and now she writes like, I'm like, that sounds like one of my emails. And that came from like constant feedback, being open to taking it, sharing and understanding and having documented, here's how we do it. And we even have a swipe file of, of good examples. And so people can thumb back through, through the years of like drift emails so they can get inspiration from other ideas. So they're not just starting from scratch. Very cool. The first, the first, I do want to answer your first question though, which is like, we, we don't decide, we don't, we don't make a conscious decision to break a rule. We think about what are we trying to get done? We're trying to get attention for our event and hyper growth. Great. Everything is on the table. What's possible. We just try not to look at because somebody's done it that way. That's how we should do it. We actually try to look at the gaps. And so if everybody in our industry is doing this one thing, but nobody's doing this other thing, we're going to go do that thing. It's more just like identifying where there's a need. We never think about, should we break a rule here? We're always just thinking about like, what could we do that's different? And that's just the mindset. Um, and there's a really, just a really helpful frame of thinking that we, we use a lot here. It's just reverse engineering. Like it's obvious, but it's, but it's really, really helpful to think about like, what's your wedge? Or if you, if you start, if you work backwards, then what do you have to do to get there? And that, that always helps me when I'm stuck. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I always say to people, getting someone's attention is, is simple. It's just not easy. Like, what, what is that? I said, figure out what they're paying attention to and then be that. Um, I, I, think, I think there's two key rules. I want to share one more concept and then we'll, then we'll wrap up the show. Um, I, I think, and I think you guys do this. Um, having said, I agree with uh, you know, that, that whole thing. Uh, solve for the customer, be helpful, um, and be authentic. And I think if you do those two things, you're going to naturally break rules and you're going to do you're going to ultimately do the right thing. Mm -hmm. I think the danger is when you see somebody else did this and you go, Oh yeah, Hey, let's do that. And that's not you. Mm -hmm. um, you, you, we talked about respecting the customer and um, about a month ago, I, I, I published a post that, that I thought would get some conversation. It's actually the, it's gotten more comments, more views and everything on LinkedIn where basically I announced that we got rid of sales quotas. We no longer give a sales quota. We focus on, um, we, we, we actually, the quote is actually on the origination of the opportunity. It's getting, getting an opportunity to a stage because, you know, where, where we're in a true, meaningful, deepening conversation around an issue. Because yep. I, I firmly believe that, that once you get, once, once you have that raw material, and this goes to your point around the salespeople, your top salespeople consume not the most leads. Once you get to that point, um, after that, you're just managing a process. And, and, I, and I think that, I think that the opportunity for conversational, and if I could leave you with a thought, I think, I think where people are, are bastardizing conversational and where I see it maybe jumping the shark earlier than it should is there's this, manif there, there, there's this ultra hyper focus on conversational is the fast lane to meetings. Um, and I've seen a lot of things where, where you guys say and, and other people around it are about to meeting, to meeting, to meeting. And I firmly believe that, that if we want to be relevant tomorrow, because by the way, if we go to the one clickification, Amazon's kicking all of our asses, right? To me, it's engagement. 
if you can get engagement, if you can get someone that will play with your brand, play with your company, play with your content, everything else takes care of that. You know, everything else will be taken care of after that. And I think conversational has a huge opportunity. Um, and I think it's crucial to be able to drive that type of engagement. How is Drift moving to create and make it easier for, for revenue generators to generate engagement? Well, that to me, that's just the biggest misconception about conversational. Uh, if, you, if you are a company that is trying to drive towards meetings, that's one way you could use it. But we actually just made a change in our funnel where we don't ask for, we don't ask for a demo until much later. Everything is designed to start a conversation. So if you're on our pricing page, did you have questions about pricing? If you're on our blog, did you find this article helpful? If you're on our uh, podcast page, how'd you hear about the podcast? And so I think there's all little ways where this is the really fun part to me is that means that marketing can be about starting a conversation, right? Like my favorite thing to do is I love writing email subject lines and I love writing headlines on articles and podcasts and everything because I want to write that thing that's going to stop you in your tracks, punch you in your gut and get you to read my thing. Right. And I, I try to use conversation marketing in the same way. It's not, Hey, thanks for coming back. It's what I have 30 seconds. If that two seconds to get your attention and I have a hundred characters to try to get you to start a conversation. That's where the magic is. It's not the technology. The marketer still has to do a great job marketing. And the example that I always give when, you know, we talk to customers and they say, talk to a customer and they say, I'm not, I'm not getting very much engagement uh, with Drift right now on my website. And then I go to the website and the website says, hello, let me know if you have questions, right? Okay. And I say to them, I said, just try this. If you changed your bot right now to say, I will give you $500 if you click me, right? What would happen? Hundreds of people would click on this, right? And they'd be like, uh-huh. And I'm like, so you got to find somewhere in the middle there, you got to say something more interesting to get somebody to have a conversation. I think that it, you know, this is why we care so much about brand and copywriting because it's, it's, it's always going to be words or what's going to get people to, 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 you know, to start a conversation and get engagement. Dude, you just hit it. I, I, I had never heard that before and, and stop you in your tracks, punch you in your gut. That's what you said, right? Yeah. And, and to yeah. me, that, that can be, that doesn't have to be controversial. No, I... It can stop you in your tracks because it's so contextually relevant. I'm on the case studies page looking at uh, B2C examples. Boom. Here's a B2C example from this other company, right? It just is, it's all about context. And I, that's what I think the future is, is getting in the right conversations at the right time. It's not just about meeting, meeting, meeting. Is it lying to a visitor if they're talking to a bot, but they don't know they're talking to a bot? Yeah, but I never, we never tell people to do that because actually our biggest vision is like, we don't see bots replacing humans. We see them like supplementing humans. And so I think the big, I think, and also I think that's when people get frustrated. When you're talking to, you know, a, a cable company and you're not sure, is, is Alice a, a person or a bot? I'm not sure, right? Like, this is too nice of a headshot. Um, I think that, I, I think that's what, I think that. We got to get pictures of ugly people. No, I didn't, I didn't say whether or not Alice was, was ugly or attractive. I said the headshot was like. <laughs> um, but I, I think, I think that's where you, when you miss, yeah, that, that is lying. Right. And so uh, we actually, so here, here's a good example. Whenever I speak, the second slide of my talk is, um, is a link as a drift link. So I say, Hey, go to drift.com slash hashtag Boston and get my slides. And when you go to that link, the bot says, Hey there, uh, I'm a bot. 
let me get Dave's slides for you, right? And it's like little touches like that that bridge the gap and say, this isn't a human, it's a bot. Let me go get that for you. Mike, what do you need as a business? What, what, what do we miss? What, what, what big, I know you had some stuff. Uh, no, actually it's, it's, it's been awesome. And I, I wrote down a number of, a number of just fantastic tidbits that you gave as much as I can come back and listen to the podcast. Um, just, uh, the, the, there were some, there were some fantastic takeaways here. I mean, you know, there, there's all, there's always questions around like tactics, things like that. Like obviously you had, um, you know, the tech in Boston podcast, growth show, now seeking wisdom, all of them have just been fantastic, you know, home runs every single time you create those podcasts. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always curious as, you know, how, why, but that's also looking for the, a little bit of the shortcut um, when um, it comes to it. Yeah. I, I don't know, because like, I think my, my style is actually like, it's not scientific. I'm just me. I like, when, yeah, I, did, yeah. when, I, when I did tech in Boston, I didn't know anything. I just wrote emails and I wrote them how I talked and I did my podcast and it's, and I, I only have one style. I don't do these NPR style podcasts. I do just interview shows. Um, but I think now it's a combination of having done three podcasts now, that means hundreds and hundreds of episodes There's reps and sets. Like that is one of the secrets is having done it. And my first, God, if I listen to my first 40 episodes of tech in Boston, I want to throw up. It sounds awful. Right. Um, but now I feel like it's just, it's just a natural thing. Uh, so I think that's been one thing. Always being authentic has been, has been my number one secret. Uh, and then on top of that, like, I just try to be really, I try to pay a lot of attention to different channels and what people are interested in. I think, I think a lot of marketers don't do this. It's like, I, I go back and I study what's worked before. And so I'm obsessed with studying copywriting and direct response and all, you know, Ogilvy and all them because they know the timeless lessons. They don't know about marketing automation. They know about people and people haven't changed in hundreds of years. And so I'm always trying to understand people. And so I'm always watching, you know, what's, what's popular on Instagram, what's blowing up on YouTube, what's popular on social media. And so I think when you're just, when you're involved in all that stuff, a lot of that just stuff bleeds naturally into you, right? If you watch a lot of football, you're going to be pretty good at knowing what to talk about. And so I just try to really live in the world and be able to understand what's interesting to people. And, and I think now I'm at a point where like, there's, a, there's occasionally a couple things that I do where I didn't think they were going to be good and they're good, or I thought they were going to be good and they flopped. But most of the time, I know when an idea is going to be good because it hits me right away and I get really fired up about it and I have to go drop what I'm doing right now. I'll give you one example is um, I, I'm launching a new, a new video series called coffee with a CMO. And I just stole the idea from um, Jerry Seinfeld's comedians and cars getting coffee, which is a great show where he just gets a comedian and drives around and, and, and sits at a coffee shop and talks about their life. And I was like, damn, marketers would love that. And we have an amazing network of CMOs. So we launched coffee with a CMO and it's already blown up and we haven't even launched it yet. And that's an, that's one where I just, I knew that idea was going to be good right away. Not because I came up with it, but it just had all the pieces. And so you just kind of learn that over time. I, I love that. When you said I do have one, one way you can improve it. It should be coffee with a CMO between two firms. <laughs> okay. Just mix all the shows. Mix all the shows. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and on Saturday nights live, it's right, all exactly. it's everything in one. with with karaoke. <laughs> yes. Ooh, that's a good one. That, that might have been a better idea. Karaoke, CMO karaoke. <laughs> CMO karaoke. There. Come on, take that. You can have that, Mike. You can have that one. That's yours. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks, man. There we go. I'll have you. I'll have you on it. You'll be by the thank first, you. Thank first, you. Uh, the first thank you. Guest.
Thank you. Alan's yelling at us. Um, Dave, man, I know we've taken a lot of time. I appreciate it. This was awesome. Yeah, this is fun. I love this format. It's just like talking shop with a bunch of people doing the same thing is always fun. So I appreciate you guys having me on. And hey, my mom's happy now because she'll know who you are. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Mrs. Davidoff. I appreciate that. <laughs>